Well, good morning. You guys are a lot more awake than the first service was. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This morning, uh, I'm really honored to have my special guest here. Can you welcome my friend Kristen Mukar this morning? Thank you. (laughs) Welcome to those who are joining us online. We love you, and I believe that God has something really, really special today. You know, the reason that we exist is to glorify God and to see lives transformed. Mm -hmm. Um, We really believe in the importance of of loving God and loving people. And um, we're doing a series called The Jesus Stories, and this is new insights into an old narrative. And I've had several of my guests come up, and it's not because they are just these amazing biblical scholars. They're amazing human beings, but they're people just like us. And they have gotten something special or something specific out of the Bible. And so this should serve as, a, as an opportunity for you to be inspired that as you read the Bible, you can be transformed too. So, Kristen, do you want to give me a little bit of a background on who you are and maybe how you ended up choosing the story that you chose for today? Uh, yeah, I am. So my name's Kristen. I don't, if you guys don't know me, I have uh, three boys. My husband's Eli. Um, we do the announcements sometimes together. <laughs> and um, I don't know how much else you want me to right now. Start from when you were born and tell us every day after that. Okay, you guys ready for this? It's going to be so good. It's going to be a long day. (laughs) Um, No, I just, I feel like um, what really brought me to this scripture, honestly, is just I can really relate to um, being in the valley and being desperate for God's healing and um, really just yearning for God to heal me. Mm-hmm. and just that desperation. And, mm-hmm. so. and it's interesting because um, I, was he- I was listening to this podcast and they were talking about the pandemic and how, how our physical health, our emotional health, yeah. and as we can just deduce from that, our spiritual health has really declined over the last two years. And I am just really believing that you know, we keep it real around here, and we acknowledge that there that we are going to suffer, we are going to have hard times, we are going to go through trials, but we are really believing that God is bringing us into a new season. He is not done with the Adventure Church yet. Mm-hmm. He is not done with the people here, and we truly believe that God is bringing us into a season of health, Amen. physical, emotional, and spiritual health. How many are up for that? So this morning, um, as Kristen mentioned, we're going to be talking about a woman who was desperate for healing. She was absolutely desperate. And I think desperation is one of the, one of the best ways we can be. If we really want to encounter Jesus, if we really want a healing from him, being desperate is a really good place to be. Yeah. So we are going to go to a story. It's called the, um, Jesus Heals the Woman with the Issue of Blood. And um, this story is actually in three of the Gospels. It's in Matthew 9. It's only two verses there. Um, And then it's in Mark 5. Mm -hmm. And then the version that we're going to go to, or the chapter we're going to go to today, is in Luke chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles with you, either your digital Bibles or your paper Bibles, um, turn to Luke chapter 8. And then, Kristen, would you start reading at verse 43? Yep, I'm reading out of the NLT version. Okay. 
It's a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You know, it's always interesting whenever we come into these sections of of the stories about Jesus, because this is only four verses, but... There are so many different directions that we could go with this. Um, You know, first of all, starting with the part that it's a woman. Yeah. What's her name? Yeah, we don't know. She's a nameless woman. And this is significant as we go on into the story. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Um, Some of the manuscripts say, and she had spent all of her money, she had spent everything she had on doctors. She had literally exhausted every opportunity. And back then, they had 11 possible solutions for this problem. She had tried them all. But The significance of this is that she was considered unclean. Mm -hmm. And when you were considered ceremonially unclean in this culture, you could not touch anyone. So this means that she was legit in quarantine Mm -hmm. for 12 years. Like utter quarantine. She had to be separated from whatever family she had, if any. She could not, she had not experienced human touch for 12 years. I mean, you think about this, the toll that this took on her mental health. Yeah. And I'm sure and, and physically I'm sure she she was probably anemic from losing so much blood and she was clearly desperate. But the fact is that she risked this. She yeah. went into a crowd knowing that she was breaking all kinds of rules cuz she wasn't supposed to be in a crowd because literally anything she touched any person she touched would be considered unclean. Mm-hmm. And, and we kind of don't get this. Yeah. I mean, we don't, we don't really understand just really the, the concept of being such an outcast and being so rejected. And, and I mean, she was considered the low rung on the totem pole culturally. Mm-hmm. And so here she is. Her desperation drove her to, to do this final thing. She had clearly heard stories about Jesus as a healer. His reputation preceded him. And it says here, she could find no cure. And then it says, coming up behind Jesus. So she's trying to remain very stealthy. She's Mm -hmm. trying to just kind of sneak in there. It It says, coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. And immediately the bleeding stopped. Uh, Pastor Ira has lent me his talit. I think that's how you say it. Is that how you say it? He's busy hugging people. Um, But this is called a prayer shawl. This is the the robe. This is what Jesus would have been wearing. Um, This is is, um, from actual ancient Israel. I'm just kidding. Not really. Um, So this is uh, this prayer shawl. 
And so Jesus would have had this, because Jesus was, um, he was a holy guy, as you know. And so he's wearing this robe. And um, Kristen, can you just come up behind me? Yeah. You're, the, you're the desperate woman with the issue of blood. <laughs> <laughs> kind of judgmental. Um, okay. So, so Jesus is standing there. Who knows what he's doing? I'm sure he's loving people, talking to people. And she comes up behind him and touches one of these, these fringe things. Now, these were called the wings of the robe. And it says in Malachi, it says, For those who believe the Son of Righteousness has healing in his wings. So here she is. She's heard rumors of who Jesus is. So she's taken this huge risk coming up behind him in a crowd because what this would have done, this would have made Jesus unclean according to their laws. So this is not a small thing that, that she is so desperate that she's willing to do whatever it takes. So it says she comes up and she touches one of these, the fringes, and then what happened? And then she was immediately healed. Immediately. And now we have no way of knowing how she knew this. Yeah. But, but she sensed that she was immediately healed mm -hmm. by Jesus. And so then what happened? And then he calls her out. He Classic Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to let her stay silent. He calls her out and makes her confess to the whole crowd that was there, that she was healed. And this is crazy, because yeah. here she is trying so hard to be, be under the radar. Yeah. She's trying so hard to remain secret. And this is, it says it was a huge crowd pressing in. Yeah. And Jesus, he's like, hey, who touched me? And I love his disciples. They're like, um, <laughs> hello. <laughs> There's... Thousands of people crowding you. Obviously, everybody's touched you, you know? <laughs> but Jesus is like, no. There's somebody who deliberately, I love that word. Yeah. Somebody who deliberately touched him. And it says, um, or Peter, I love Peter. Mr. Call it as it is. <laughs> hey, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. And Jesus said, no, someone deliberately touched me. Mm -hmm. For I felt healing power go out from me. I mean, you could take this a lot of directions. Yeah. He felt healing power go out from him. And it was this lady's faith that caused her even to come up to him. And, and then it says, um, and when she realized she couldn't stay hidden, what did she do, Kristen? She began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. So think about this. Imagine you have been sick for 12 years, you've tried everything. You've spent all, you spent your fortune. You've been isolated from your family, from your friends, from society. You are desperate. And all of a sudden, immediately you get healed. Okay, that's a pretty high emotion right there. But then the Messiah, the master, the guy who she just touched for her healing calls her out. I mean, imagine these emotions. She must have been terrified. What do you think she was assuming he was going to do to her at that point? Um, probably condemn her because the ceremonially unclean touched the ceremonially clean. So he, she probably thought that he was just going to like lash out at her. Mm -hmm. And isn't that what we always expect? 
when Jesus calls us out, yeah. we just assume he's going he's gonna to lash out at me. We blew it. We did it again. Yep. Anytime we, we sin or do anything, don't we just assume God is ticked? God's going to call us out. But in, in just classic Jesus style, it says, she fell to her knees and the whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she was immediately healed. So here she testifies that God has healed her. She testifies that she has been instantaneously healed. I love that. And it says, um, and what does he say to her then? And then he says, daughter, which and I love. What's significant about that? It's the only place in the New Testament where Jesus uses the word daughter. She's the and only person. She's, yeah, mm-hmm. and she's the only, in, in the beginning she was unnamed. There was no name. But he calls her daughter. Isn't that so cool? Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I just really believe right now, um, somebody here, and there's probably lots of you, but and maybe for the people at home, you you need to hear Jesus say this Mm -hmm. to you. You need to hear Jesus tell you that you're his daughter. Or that you're his son, and it's not a curse word. That, that Jesus wants to identify. Now remember, Jesus is the God of love. It says in 1 John, he is love. God is love, and he wants you to know that you are his. And this is a term, this is a term of utmost endearment. So just receive that if that's if that's you. Just know he wants you to know he's not going to call you out so he can rebuke you. Mm-hmm. He wants you to know you're precious to him. You are precious to him. Amen. So he says your faith has made you well. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say the fact that you touched my robe has made you well. He doesn't say the fact that that you know you you came up to me he says your faith mm-hmm. has healed you and he tells her to go in peace can you imagine the transformation that took place just with her reaching out and touching the hem of, of his garment it's insane mm-hmm. and so Kristen um while the details are very different <laughs> yes. of these stories, you also have a really, really dramatic story of the healing of the Lord. And, and just this morning, um, we, were, we were standing in the back. Her parents were here for first service, and we were standing in the back reminiscing that five and a half years ago, we stood back there and prayed for you. Yeah. You want to? You want to? Anointed me with oil and prayed mm-hmm. over me before my surgery. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so you want to? You want to give us some background on that? Yes. Um, so just to begin, I wanted to just I want to share where we came from so that everybody knows how good God is in the mm-hmm. end. Um, so I grew up going to church, but honestly, I grew up going to church like it was checking off a box. I just I went to church on Sunday because that's what you did, but that's where church ended. I didn't read my Bible. I did not have a relationship with God in any way. Um, 
And my husband, Eli, he was—he grew up very bitter and angry against church. He grew up um, just not wanting anything to do with church. And when we, if we were to fight, we would fight about church. It was, I wanted him to come to church so bad because that's what you did as a couple and that's what you did as a family. You should go to church on Sunday. And every time I would do it, we, he would push back and we would fight about it. And then when our kids got bigger, they'd ask, why doesn't dad come to church? And it was just a huge fight for us all the time. Because dad's a loser. <laughs> <laughs> Eli, you want to stand up? So <laughs> <laughs> you can come up. This here. is Eli. <laughs> you do not want to push back on Eli, <laughs> unless you're Kristen. <laughs> um, so, but our story starts in 2016. Um, it was a pretty brutal year, year for us. We started losing Pastor Eric, and then in March, our Xander was born, and we love that sweet boy, but man, he was a really hard, hard, hard baby. Um, and then in July, our oldest son, Eli, was hit in the eye with a rogue aerial firework, and praise God, the only thing he has is a tiny, itty-bitty little scar in his eye, but it affected his vision like it did not affect it at all. Um, and then on September 23rd, I went in for what was supposed to be just a, a kind of a, not really a routine mammogram because I'm so young, but it was just a, a mammogram to see and make sure that nothing was going on. And I started off in the mammogram room and then it was like, okay, now you got to go see, do an ultrasound. Okay. Actually, now we want you to see um, the radiologist. And I was like, oh great, this is not going to be good. Mm -hmm. And at the time Eli was at work and he wasn't able to be with me. Um, he was at an airport actually getting ready to fly home. And so it was just me, and um, I remember when the radiologist did his scan, he just kind of sat there, and I could read all over his face, and I was so frustrated because it felt like, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. And he, I think he could tell the frustration on my face. He's like, are you all right? I'm like, no, I'm not okay. I am so over this. Hurry up and wait. Like, it's frustrating. And he's like, I know I get it, but we'll have to have you come back for a biopsy, and then you'll figure mm. it out. And anyway, he ended up saying, he was like, you know, in today's world, because of cell phones, you're probably going to hear this news while you're driving in a car or just not at a very good time. So I'm just going to tell you, it doesn't look good. And if I had to say, I would say this is cancer. And it was like in the movies where the, you're like, everything just kind of went black and he was speaking, but I couldn't hear what he was saying. And it like, my world just stopped and I was crushed and I remember sitting up and they were, I started crying and this sweet nurse was like, can I go get, grab somebody for you? And I was like, no, I'm all alone. And she was so sweet and she held me and let me cry. And, um, but I really think that that moment was foundational because all I had, I got in my car and I just started crying and praying and all I had was God to lean on. And when Eli found out, he was in an airport by himself and that's all he had. And I remember him telling me he got down on his knees and just started praying and it was so foundational. And right away, God gave me this verse and it's Psalms 127.1. Unless the Lord has built a house, the work of the builder is wasted. And that was just our moment of building our foundation because our foundation was rocked. And so it was building our foundation on the Lord. Mm. Um, 
And then September 26th came, and that was a Monday, and that was when we found out. It was, sure enough, on our way home from school, we found out, we got the call. And we both looked at each other because we knew it was them, and I, he could read it all over my face because I just started crying. And I, like, tried to sink into my seat because we hadn't told our kids at the time. Mm-hmm. And I started just crying. And that moment changed our life forever. Um, I, I have a friend in California, and she had breast cancer too. And she said she she defines her life as BC before the yeah. cancer diagnosis and after cancer. How many of you have gotten a cancer diagnosis? Anybody? Yeah. It changes your life. It does forever. It it's, does. It's literally the one diagnosis you do not want to get. It does mm-hmm. absolutely. It's a scary, scary word to hear. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting in my car after that appointment, um, and I was praying for a miracle. I wanted God to take it away. I wanted, I wanted to hear that. No, you, they were wrong. You had cancer, and I was so angry and so mad that day. I was like, God, why? You, you know, I was. I felt so left and abandoned, and I mm-hmm. felt like God didn't hear me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then um, our story goes on, and October tenth was our surgery day. And in the meantime, between that time, Eli and I had just started worshiping. Worship became a powerful weapon in our home. So now this is the Eli that didn't <laughs> like God. Yes, didn't want to go yes. to church. The one who Eli pushed back. Yes, the one who fought me every time. Um, yes, that Eli, um, we would see when I call people out, it's not like Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We had so many times we actually made it a habit that every night we would get on our knees together Mm -hmm. and we would pray. Good habit. Uh, Yeah, it is. And, um, we would worship in our house and our theme song. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard it, but it's in the eye of the storm. It just became our theme song, and we would turn it on, and our walls would literally be rattling in our house, and we would just stand in our living room, and we would worship. And the morning of my surgery, we got there a little early, um, and my family, in my family, we do everything together. There's not, not a lot that we don't do together. So we literally showed up on surgery day, and my whole family was with me. So we were walking up. It was my family and my best friend. We were walking up and into the building like this big old crowd. And all of a sudden, um, in the eye of the storm, turns on. And we all kind of looked around like, what? Who's, who did that? Who did that? And nobody had their phones out, nothing. It was just like, what is happening? And Eli pulls his phone out, and the song had just turned on. And for us, we were like, God, thank you, because we really needed that right now. It was like our march-up song. <laughs> it, was, it was just a cool moment. What are the, what are the lyrics oh, of yes. the chorus? I love that. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. And in the middle of the war, you guard my soul. You alone are the anchor. And when my sails are torn, your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. Yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> so really, it was our theme song. And that, that moment, I just felt seen and I felt held. And I felt so... It was just one of those moments that I really needed from God. And then we walked in, and just before surgery, we all gathered, and they laid hands on me and prayed, and my sister Kayla prayed over me, and she said this powerful prayer. And the nurse kind of came in, was prepping everything, and she was, like, bawling. And she was like, thank you. She's like, I've never been a part of a prayer so powerful. And it was a really cool moment where it's like, you don't know who your journey is for, and you don't know who's watching or who's going to be affected by it. And 
then I went back into surgery and it was, it was crazy, but that's where, that's really where the Valley started for Mm -hmm. us. Um, and it was hard and we had so many days where I, I felt like we just could not go on. We couldn't even, I was, I felt it was like, there were times where it was dark, where it was heavy, where I felt alone, where I just felt like I was being crushed by the pressure and we would turn on worship in those moments. And it was the most powerful worship I've ever had in my own living room. Mm-hmm. And, and we would, there were times where I would just wake up in the morning. So I would wake up at like four in the morning because I just couldn't sleep. And I would read my Bible and I would just be bawling because God would speak so many things to me. And I wanted to share just a few of the verses that God really spoke to me. Um, and it's James 1.3. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as Psalms 23, 1 through 4. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. Wow. Um, And those were just some of the, I mean, some of the Bible verses. Like I would just, I would post them all over my walls. And um, it was just so crazy too. Like in the middle of everything, God had planned and prepped us so amazingly well. The summer before I found out I got sick, my parents tried to sell their home. They tried three times. They had three different sellers and randomly like they go to sign papers and it was like, oh, they lost their job. Sorry, they can't buy your house or just some crazy thing. And then there was a fourth buyer who was a cash buyer and they were like, oh, you know what? This will work this time. But then when they went to go, um, ask the people whose house they wanted to buy. They were like, no, mm -mm, we are done. This has been three times. No, we're done. We're going to stay here. Hmm. And my parents were disappointed and so sad. Like what the heck is happening? Even the realtor was like, I've never seen anything like this. I don't even know what to say. But we ended up having to sell our house and move in with them. So our, their big ginormous house that they wanted to downsize from filled up again. Mm -hmm. Um, And another thing that happened that was a crazy cool miracle that um, my dad went to the home show and randomly came home with a sauna. And we were like, dad, what are you doing? Like (laughs) impulse item. (laughs) Yeah. That's what we were. We were like, this is just going to sit and collect dust in your basement. Like, what are you doing? And, um, just so many things like my, Oh, my doctor, I talked, I forgot to talk about my doctor. Oh yeah. Yeah. So my doctor finish about the sauna. What is it? Oh yeah. My sauna. So, um, my, um, in the middle of my treatment, my doctor, I asked my doctor randomly, I was like, Hey, um, this sauna, is it going to be helpful for treatment? And he, she was like, Oh my gosh, absolutely. That's a huge detox tool. You need to sit in that every day. And I was like, what? Okay. <laughs> so, um, I'm totally skipping ahead. I got really so excited. How did you, yeah. That's what um, happens. How did you meet your doctor? Um, so I met my doctor. Okay. So after my surgery, I was actually told that I, I wouldn't have to have chemotherapy if I did a double mastectomy. So that's the route I chose. But then in my six week checkup, mm-hmm. my doctor was like, okay, so are you going to do, we need to get you in with an oncologist. And I was like, oh my gosh, wait, what you said? I didn't, 
you said I didn't have to have chemo. Now you're saying I do. And he was like, no, 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 you don't understand. You had a very aggressive stage three cancer. It had spread to your lymph nodes. Like we need to get you in now. And I was like, oh, okay. So we made a phone call, got us in with this doctor and Eli and I, we were really, um, we were really prayerful in every step that we made. I Mm -hmm. felt like we made it a point that with every step we wanted God to lead us. So we would pray and we would get down on our knees. And Mm -hmm. so right before the appointment with our oncologist, we were just praying that God would lead us, that he would give us discernment and wisdom in our, in every direction. And so he, um, we went into the oncologist and we were like, this, this doesn't feel right. There is something here. It's not right. This is not where we're supposed to be. We can't do this. And so, um, then we, my cousin works for the Huntsman Cancer Institute. And she was like, listen, this is, I know the best doctor in Utah. You have to go see her. I will get you in with her. We'll get you in right away. And I was like, okay, cool. So we got it all set up. It was a few weeks in between because we had to work out insurance stuff. Um, but in the meantime, my dad had been doing research. He was like, Kristen, I just, I don't know if this is right for you. I don't think you should do chemo. You should look at just healing holistically and naturally. And I was like, dad, you're crazy. There's just no way. Like I have a five month old and I have kids and I cannot do that. I have to do everything mm-hmm. to get rid of this. Like no way. And he was like, will you please just look at it with me? And mm-hmm. so for me, I was like, all right, fine, dad, I'll watch you. What do you want me to watch? So I started researching with him and my mind was kind of blown by the things I was seeing. So I was like, okay, crazy. So then we went to our first appointment with the oncologist at the Huntsman Cancer Institute. And um, same thing. We prayed before. We got on our knees, and we were just praying that God would lead us, that he would guide us. And we went in there, and there was just something. Like, to me, it felt like it was like chains, and it was Mm -hmm. dark. And I was like, this doesn't feel right. Something is wrong. It's Mm -hmm. it's not right. It's not Mm -hmm. where we're supposed to be. Now, this is not to make a a judgment on anybody who's chosen to go the conventional route. Nope. This is just the route that God was leading me on and where he led me. And um, I believe that God can use anything. He is ultimately our healer. That's right. But this is just the the direction that he led me in. And um, so, yeah, we prayed over it. And I was like, gosh, there's just something. Mm-hmm. And so the doctor knew that I was doubting and I, was, I wasn't really in ready to make the commitment. So she's like, listen, come back next week. I'm going to have a team of doctors. We're going to go over everything and... And, and you can make a decision then. And I was like, okay. So in the meantime, it was still, we were just on our hands and knees and we were worshiping and we were praying and really digging in for God to lead us in the right direction. And that next appointment, um, she brought her whole team of people in and we asked all these questions and she took us on a tour of the whole place and showed us everything. And we just, it was like a hard no uh-huh. for both of us. And hmm. we were like, no. I I just don't know. And I was still really afraid to make the decision. And so she's like, listen, why don't you schedule your chemo appointments and we'll start on Friday. If Friday morning you fill up, you wake up and you feel like you don't want to do this. She's like, come on in or I mean, call me and and we'll cancel. And I was like, okay, cool. So in the meantime, my parents, like my, my whole family, we were all praying and my mom called Cynthia Popper and was like, Hey, listen, Kristen has a really big decision to make with her treatment right now. We don't even know what to do. She's feeling lost. She's feeling like she doesn't know what to do. So can you please be praying for us? And I'm sure she rallied the troops um, and they were all praying. But then she also had mentioned that there was a doctor um, who went to church with us. And she was like, would you like her information? She was like a holistic doctor. And my mom was like, yeah, absolutely. So I called her and left a message and she hadn't gotten back to us. And then 
Thursday night at 7 p.m. before we were supposed to go that Friday to chemo, she had called me. Hmm. And um, I had asked her about treatment. And she's like, no, absolutely. I've helped people do, I've helped people treat cancer naturally all the time. I've done it many times. And and that for me was just that extra, like, okay, it's going to be okay. And it's, this is where God wants us. Mm-hmm. And so I called and I canceled my appointment and we started a crazy journey, something that was really scary because I had never heard of anybody yeah. who had done it this way, but I mm-hmm. really felt deeply that God was leading us this way. Mm-hmm. And so that is where in the Valley, we, we really were. It was, it was, you know, we fell in love with God's word and reading God's word and also our church community. It was mm-hmm. foundational for us because we had always come to church and just kind of, we come to church and then we'd leave and not talk to anybody. It was like, whoop, nope, blinders. But we started praying with people and people would pray with us and they would call, they would text us in the middle of the week and just check in on us. And mm-hmm. it was something that was like, oh my gosh, that was so needed. Like right at that moment, we needed that. Mm-hmm. And there was just so much that God did in that time that was so priceless and that deep work that only the valley, I feel Mm -hmm. like this is where we have talked before about Mm -hmm. where you are in the battle, where it is deep and it's crushing. And sometimes it's hard to even wake up in the morning, but God will give you that peace that surpasses all understanding. He will hold you Mm -hmm. in a way that you can't even explain. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know this part, but Eli always tells me, he's like, there were people who would come into our home and they would just say, wow, it feels so peaceful. How is she so peaceful? Like she's going through this. How? And the only explanation I have is that it was God. Mm-hmm. It's that peace mm-hmm. that surpasses all understanding. And he will truly show up and truly hold you in a mm-hmm. way that is unexplainable. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, yeah. On seven seven seventeen, I was declared cancer free. Praise God! <laughs> um, but that's not where my story ends. The really cool part is my very this is my very favorite part of my story. <laughs> um, so when you heal holistically, um, the real goal is to get your body into homeostasis. It's just where your your immune system's functioning properly. Your whole body is just doing what it's supposed to be doing. Obviously, when you have cancer, it's at the Hit of, mm-hmm. It's the bottom. So we were just building. I was working with my doctor. We were building my body up and building my body up for a year and a half. Um, I was doing great. My numbers were going down every month. And then all of a sudden at the year and a half mark, they just stopped and they stalled. And, and it was six long, hard months. And every month I was just like, okay, it's going to go down this month. It's going to go down. I know it. And and it wouldn't. And I was so disappointed and I was so frustrated. And then at the six month mark, I was so mad and I was so angry and I was so frustrated because I was doing everything right. I was taking all the juice. I was doing all the things. I was taking all the supplements. I was doing everything right. I should be healing. You were like the woman who had <laughs> yes. exhausted all yes. of her. who had done everything mm-hmm. she could mm-hmm. in her power to do what she could to heal. Mm-hmm. And after my phone call with my doctor, I was so mad and I was so frustrated and I was angry and I was ranting and raving to my husband and he let me just go. And, and then all of a sudden I stopped like, are you going to say something? And he was just like, are you done? And I was like, (gasps) (laughs) not recommended gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I I was kind of like, excuse me, like what? And he was like, do you hear yourself? 
it's me, 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 me. As soon as you real, as soon as you realize that you need to look up, that God is your healer, that he has already healed you. You need to just surrender it. This fight will be over, but it's not going to be over until you do that. You need to stop striving. Hmm. And I was kind of mad. (laughs) And then all of a sudden God hit me like, like, first of all, it's okay. Um, the man that you prayed for and prayed for, who hated church, who hated everything to do with it, that we fought so much over it, just told you to look to me for your healing. And I was so overwhelmed, like, oh my gosh, God, what have you done in him? Holy smokes. And then I did. I surrendered right there. I got on my knees and I surrendered because I had taken it. I had given it one time, but I had taken it back and I had forgot where my healing comes from. And I got on my knees and I surrendered everything right there again. And that next month when I checked in with my doctor, sure enough, my numbers had started dropping again. And it's that spiritual healing that it's like, no, God wants you to look to him for your healing. These may be the tools that he's using, but he is ultimately, yes, our healer. (laughs) Um, And so for me, it was, I wanted that miracle in the beginning. I wanted God to just take it away from me. I didn't want to have to suffer through it. But the miracles that I got in the end, the actual big picture of it all, it was priceless. The, the way that God moved, the way that he changed my heart, the way that he changed that man's heart, the way that um, he just radically moved in our family is something that is so priceless that I know that I could have never got or had had we not been through all of that. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so God is faithful, faithful. And, and God doesn't always give us that, that miracle no. that we want. No. Anybody else ever notice that? <laughs> we want that miracle, but yeah. I, I want to go back to that passage that you read where it says here, it says, um, dear brothers and sisters, and incidentally, I want to point this out. During the time that this was written, the, the sibling relationship was the predominant relationship. It wasn't husband-wife, it was the siblings. So when Paul addresses us as brothers and sisters, this is like one of the most intimate ways that he could address us. And he's saying, dear brothers and sisters, it's kind of like when he said daughter, you know, and he said, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity. Now get this, it's so backwards, (laughs) for great joy. Mm -hmm. For you know that when your faith is tested, as your faith was tested, Your endurance has a chance to grow, Mm -hmm. so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, if God would have given you the miracle in the beginning, then all of these transformations wouldn't have taken place in your family, in your husband, in in you, in your kids. It would have just, I mean, you would have gotten your miracle. But sometimes, and, and I think it's important for us to see this, sometimes we don't get the miracle that we think we want. Because it's not what we need. That's right. Because <laughs> God right. knows what we need. He does. We don't know always what we need, but He knows. He knows us in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then what happened? Um, and then that's it. I think I talked about it, right? Didn't I? Wait. Your numbers went up? Oh, yeah, my numbers, yeah. No, they went down. 
I mean down. Yes. Other way, my dyslexia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, my numbers went down and I actually ended up only working with my doctor for three or four months after that. And then it was like, okay, you're good to go. And God has radically changed us through it all. And, yeah. and that's the miracle. That is the miracle. Is miracle. It is. He did a work in us that I know could not have been done any other way, mm-hmm. any other way, especially with that one. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. Sometimes that stubbornness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So we have uh, we have people in here, and you have um, you have something that you're crying out. You you're asking God to heal you, whether it's physical or emotional or maybe spiritual. And um, Jesus wants you to know there is healing. There's healing in his wings. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to do something that we don't do a lot, but um, I just want to say if you're somebody, if you have never surrendered your heart to the Lord, we want to invite you to, to come up. We're going to take a time where um, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up, and we're going we're gonna to have them sing a blessing over you. But um, we're going to pray for one another. If, if this sketches you out, it's okay. Don't, please don't feel any pressure. But um, most of the time that the word you is used in the Bible, it's talking about us as a collective. It's talking about a community. Like, I, I, I don't know what the percentage is exactly, but it's usually talking about you as in the community, the body of Christ. And so if you are a person and you need healing in whatever way, I just want to ask you if you wouldn't mind standing right now. You're somebody you need healing, physical, emotional, spiritual. Okay, so y'all, the rest of you see these people that are standing. Now I want to ask you to go and surround them and go, go, we're going to pray for one another. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us online. Thank you for being here. Love you guys.